good day everyone and one dot radio listeners i'm your host salome jacobs trust you had an excellent week thus far today we have the privilege of listening to pastor mark bismarck the youngest brother of bishop tudor bismarck sharing his late mom's shirley bismarck snippets of her life story this segment of into the garden is dedicated to each and every one local and international who has lost a loved one during this covid 19 and could not attend to lay their loved ones to rest be blessed from your host slame jacobs and thank you hey good morning good morning kingdom vision family uh, do greet you in the name of Jesus. Uh, I trust that you guys are all in great health and uh, we miss you so much. Um, we just truly want to say thank you to Pastor Queenie for uh, the past four weeks during Women's Month uh, for the, the word of empowerment. Um, I truly just soaked into it and uh, begin to understand where God and how you are speaking to us during the month of August. I also want to say thank you to everybody that has sent great tributes and their condolences to me and my family. Uh, this week has been a tough week for me. Even speaking right now, it's <clears throat> really just so hard because when you lose a mother, it's, it's like uh, something that's just ripped out of your heart. It's a pulse that, that you feel like it will never, you know, be synchronized in the beating as normal. And so, um, thank you so, so much. It's very hard to lose a mother. And, um, you know, the Bible says in Psalm 139 in verse 1, it says, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. This God knows everything about us. He knows the end from the beginning. And so today I have a confidence to know that my mother is in a safe place and she's resting. I spoke to my mother on Thursday last week after getting a call from Zimbabwe because every month or two weeks we call to check up on her. And Thursday was the last time that I spoke to my mother and uh, she told me, she said, Mark, I'm doing okay. I could hear in her voice that she was, she wasn't that, that jovial and, you know, she, she, it was like she wasn't responsive like before. And she said to me, Mark, just keep on holding on to God's unchanging hand. Brighter days are going to come. And I never knew that my mom, it was the last time I would speak and listen to her sweet voice. Because four days later, she went home to be with the Lord. On Monday, when my brother took her in for tests, just to go see what's wrong with her, because she was kind of weak on Monday, they booked her into the Mater Day Hospital in Zimbabwe and... Six o'clock that evening, she said, I'm going home to be with the Lord. Great shocker for us. So thank you for all the tributes 
and all the kind words and the prayers over my family. I'm still in mourning, I'm still grieving, but I know God is, is truly going to, he's going to help us through this period. This morning, I want to speak just about 10 minutes about my mother and the vision that my mother had, not only for her life, but her children and her walk with God. My mother grew up in a family where they were all serving Muhammad. Came from an Islamic background. My grandfather was very staunch in his ways. My mother was the fourth girl child to my grandfather, Big Daddy. We called him Big Daddy. My mother had 13 siblings. Out of the siblings, she had six brothers and the rest were sisters. My mother was the fourth girl child. According to my mother's testimony, when she began to relate to me how she grew up, and sometimes it's good for you to speak to your mothers. Speak to your dad, speak to your mother. If they're still alive, ask them. You will appreciate everything about them when you hear their history, hear their story of how they suffered. And you'd be so grateful for what they've done for you. And so my mother began to share her testimony. And she said to me, Mark, because I was the fourth girl child, she said, my dad was hoping that I would be the son that he longed for. She said, most of my sisters and her sisters, the, the three sisters before her, came out very fair like my grandmother. My grandmother was colored, very fair Malayan lady. And my grandfather came from India. He was staunch Indian, Islamic. And so my mother came out looking like my grandfather, slightly darker than her other sisters. And then she became like we know when we talk, the dark child, where my grandfather didn't even want to carry her according to the testimony of my grandmother relating it to my mother. And of course her relating it to us as children. And she said she suffered because she had all the hand-me-downs from her sisters. When she went to school, she said that she, she, she tried to prove even amongst family at home, her sisters and her brothers to be later on, that she was the best out of all of them. And she'd cook and she'd help my mother in the kitchen. And my grandfather never approved of her. My grandfather didn't even want her to go to school. It was so difficult for him to pay her school fees. Fortunately, during the days of Rhodesia, government would always step in and help in their social services. My mother only went to school to grade eight, according to our standards, and she had to leave so that she could help my grandfather on the farm because all her other brothers and sisters were still young. And so at a teenage life, she learned how to plow on the farm she learned how to drive tractors and, you know, do everything that uh, she could get the approval of her dad, my grandfather, in helping him in the field, 
in planting and packing the tools away. And she said she really became this tomboy and she was looking for the approval. And she didn't get it and she finally met my dad. And my dad filled that void, Bernie Arthur Bismarck. But the problem was when she met my dad, my dad also had a very strange upbringing because his mother passed away when he was two years old, giving birth to my uncle Lenny. At birth, my grandmother passed away. That's my dad's mother. And so he never grew up with a mother. He grew up with a stepmother. And you know how stepmothers are. And so my father, on the other hand, he marries Shirley Bismarck, my mother. And they both get together and they're coming out of pain and struggle. When they get together, my grandfather hears, that's on my mother's side, that my mother is going out with a Christian boy, so-called Christian boy, because my father was every kind of Christian you could think of during that time. If a Methodist came and knocked on the door, he was a Methodist. If a Jehovah's Witness people came and were witnessing, he'd tell them, you know, uh, I'm Jehovah's Witness, you know, just to get them away. So my father was Christian. He grew up in a Christian home. And my grandfather on my mother's side was so upset about a relationship that he, he totally wrote her off. Well, my mother's testimony goes on to say that when they got married, that my grandfather took his shotgun and was looking all over for my mother in the city of Bulawayo in Rhodesia back in the day because he wanted to shoot her just because she was marrying a Christian boy. He didn't get that right because my mother had got notes from my uncle Ishmael that you better be careful. Dad is looking for you and he wants to kill you and Bernie. That's my father. And so they had to change the appointment of the court where they were going to get married so that my grandfather doesn't appear. So they came out of struggle, some deep, deep struggle. And after them having 10 children, I am the 10th child in our family. I have five brothers and five sisters. The age gap between my older brother and me is almost 14 years. And when my mother gave birth to all of us, 10 children, my dad during the period of his 10 children gave my mother a hard time. My mother was looking for love and she didn't get it from my father in ways that she never had it in her own father's home. The love that my father gave her was making her pregnant every year or two years gap. And that was the void that my mother was receiving from my father. And after being ripped off from the Islamic background, you must know her, her sisters and brothers all kind of like segregated themselves from my mother. And all my mother was searching for was a place where she could find love, just find love. And my father wasn't giving it to her. But her testimony is so great today that I have to share it with you today. That God is a God that even though you come from a valley, even though you come from dark times, even though you came from an abused home, when you have a vision, when you have 
destiny inside of you. There's no devil or there's nobody, no family member, no father or mother that can steal it away from you. And my mother began to tell me her testimony that when she was about to leave my father with all the nonsense that she put her through, my father was an alcoholic people. My father was drowned in his sorrows in alcohol and smoking Zor and thinking that he could be the Don back in the, the day. Sorry, Donald. He's thinking that he could be the main O speaking in gangster language. But he wasn't because he was giving my mother and his 10 children a hard time. I remember days when my father used to come back because he worked out in the bush. He worked as a plate layer on the railways, laying tracks all the way from South Africa into Zambia and Zimbabwe going through uh, Botswana. My father worked in the bush. They set up camp wherever the track stopped and they continued thereafter. So everywhere the track stopped, they would make camp out there and they would stay in the bush. I remember days when he used to pick us up during holidays and take us to the campsite. Our home was brought up where there was only, if you opened up our fridge, there was only, there was more booze, dumpies, beers in our fridge than milk and cheese. He had a good job. My mother also had a good job. And they really did the best for us. But there came a time when my mother had enough and she was about to, she, in fact, she was leaving my father. She had enough. I was about five years old. We studied all this Islamic background stuff and, you know, my mother was trying to keep us in the same vein as my grandfather so that we, you know, because that's all she knew. And then she started turning into, because she thought if, if the Islamic movement can write you off, parents not talking to you, what kind of religion is that? And she started taking us to the Anglican church because the Anglican church was in our neighborhood. And so we'd walk every Sunday and go to school and Sunday school and, and, and just be a part of, of the community and that church. My mother was searching for something that was deeper than an Islamic movement or even a, a, a Anglican movement, but she couldn't find it. She became a Sunday school teacher in the Anglican church because she wanted the best. She had vision for her 10 children. Even though her husband was an alcoholic playing in a band, my father was a saxophone player. He had his own band. He used to play for weddings. He used to play for 21sts. He used to play in the nightclub. When he came home on Friday after his work out in the bush, straight away he'd change and he'd go with his band and play at these different nightclubs and weddings, whichever place the band was engaged in or was booked for that venue, my father was there. That's where we get all our music ability to play. All my brothers and sisters are singers and they're musicians. It came from my father's side. But my father didn't show us love as children because his father didn't show him the love that he could pass it on to the next generation. And that's how we grew up. That the day my mother got tired, we were five, I can remember I was five, turning six years old, when my mother had enough and she was leaving my father. So out of all the hardship that she went through, out of the struggle that she went through from her parents' home and marrying an alcoholic and having 10 children later, her hands were tied. She gave up everything. She tried everything. She went to different people, this counselor, people that worked, spoke to her, and Shirley said, Shirley, you cannot leave this man. 
But my mother had enough because she was tired of the abuse and she didn't want her 10 children to grow up the way my father was bringing us up. My mother always taught us, in spite of my father being who he was, that you respect your father. I remember days when my, my older brothers would be so upset and angry with my dad, but she taught them to say, this is your father. Even the way he is, you still honor and treat him. So she had those principles. That when we were leaving and my mother was divorcing my father, I can vaguely remember, it's like it was just yesterday, where my grandfather felt so sorry, that's on my mother's side. She fe he felt so sorry because now they started building up that relationship after many years, like 22 or 25 years of them struggling and, and, and the pain of, 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 of how my, my mom left and got remarried, well, got married and... It was just heavy that my grandfather started coming to our home. And I remember the day when we were leaving that my mother, her testimony goes like this and says that I was leaving dad. I was leaving your father. I remember my grandfather came in with his car and we packed all our clothes and all our toys. My twin brother and I, Matthew and Cassandra, thought it was a joke and we were happy because we thought we were going on holiday because whenever we went on holiday, we'd pack things and put it in suitcases. That God sent drug addicts that were coming into Rhodesia back in the day as missionaries to come and witness in our neighborhood. What a setup. Wow. And these people came past our house. They saw my grandfather's car outside us packing the car and they came and they went to the door and knocked on the door and my dad opened the door and just like how my dad was, you know, Pentecostals came to the, the, the door and he was a Pentecostal and he told them to come in and sit in our lounge. Not knowing these, these children, these American white people that came in, very young, they were close to 22 years old according to my mother's testimony. They came and they sat in our lounge. My mother was preparing to, to take uh, her last stuff in her room and we were about to leave. Look at God's timing when my father said, there's visitors that wants to see you. Not visitors that are coming to see him, but visitors that wants to see you. And so my mother thought, oh, there's visitors, I need to be very... Um, Kind and so she went into the lounge and these visitors, all they just told her was, ma'am, we're in the area and we just came and tell you that Jesus really loves you. And my mother just sat back and she was confused. I'm leaving this man. Clothes are in, suitcases are in my grandfather's car and these people come and tell me something that I was longing for for years. Somebody to come tell me that Somebody loves me. You see, you don't need to know the whole Bible. You don't need to be in Bible school. Th those, those young adults that came from America that were hippies, that were coming to dry up here in Rhodesia, in Zimbabwe, in Rhodesia those days, they had no idea that destiny was about to kick into my mother's life, the vision that she had for her children. I'm saying all this here to, to us here today, that my mother's life turned for the good. That day when they left, my mother went outside and told my grandfather, I'm not leaving this man. There's somebody that loves me. And that's somebody that loves me. The few words that, that these children, these young adults, barely 22 years old, said to her, changed my mother's mind and she stayed with my, my, my father.
who was an alcoholic and abuser. She stayed with my dad for another two or three years, and in the interim, we, you know, these, these hippies invited my mum to church, these missionaries, and that Sunday we went to church. And when we went to church that Sunday, whatever the preacher spoke, because my mother was looking for that void that she needed to fill. I don't know what void you need to fill in your life. You're paining, you're struggling, your husband's giving you a problem, your husband is on whatever's going on. You come from that abuse home, I don't know what it is. But it's the word of God that can change your destiny. That that day, the first service that we went to a evangelical, full gospel Pentecostal church was an experience for my five older brothers and sisters and my mother that we ended up becoming saved in the kingdom of God. The vision that my mother had for her 10 children, I'm living it right now. My older brother who is 14 year gap is living it right now. A global icon, the Bismarck name is so big and I can truly thank God that coming out of obscurity and coming out of, of hardship, when I left home at the age of 19, my father kicked me out of the house. It was like an eagle. When an eagle has its little babies, its infants, uh, when those little, small little eagleness, if you can call it, the little babies, that eagle makes it uncomfortable in the nest so that they can grow up to become mature. And that's what my dad did to me. I couldn't understand it at the time. But I came, became who I am today because my father literally kicked me out of the house, made things uncomfortable for me. From the dusty streets of Zimbabwe at the age of 19, coming to the bright lights of Johannesburg, South Africa, not knowing anybody, I land up here in South Africa as a young boy, barely knew nothing. All I just knew was I came from a Christian background and my father kicked me out of the church because I was playing in a worldly band. Just like how he played in a worldly band, I was also playing and he found out through other measures. Some of you know my story. I wasn't smoking, I wasn't drinking, I wasn't hunting on for myself, but because I was entertaining the devil's territory, my father knew what he went through and instead of embracing me, just like how an eagle kicks its little cheeks out, he kicked me out and he made me become a man. I didn't understand it at the time. But at the time he kicked me out, I just, I couldn't, I knew God, I, he was with me coming to Johannesburg. That my mother's vision, I'm sitting here on the other side of this recording, for all her 10 children, and the youngest one out of all her 10 children, my mother prayed because she knew Mark is going into a city where the enemy would swallow me. Every Monday she would call me and send me a text message and say, I'm praying for you. I didn't care because the 15 years that I came, I was upset with my father for what he did to me. The, the Lord took me into the devil's territory and I smoked, I smoked, I drank, I did everything in the devil's territory that you can think of in the 15 years of being sold out into the devil's territory. My mother had vision for her 10 children that every day she prayed. I don't know which mother is listening to this, but I'm saying to you, mother, when you pray, God will take care of all your children 
you take care of the vision that you have, not only for yourself, but your children and your grandchildren and great-grandchildren, that today, even up to my great-grand, my mother's great-grandchildren, they are all serving God. The tributes that came out for their great-grandmother from my great-grand-nephews uh, and nieces that came out to their granny. Wow, just amazing. Her grandchildren, wow, amazing. The Bismarck name, because of my mom and my dad, has gone global. If you knew the tributes, if you seen the tributes that came from great icons all over the world, from New Zealand to Australia, from uh, the whole of the, the United States and different parts of Africa and on the continent of Asia. My, it was just amazing the amount of people that knew this word, this gospel, through one woman, through my mother that had vision, that came out of hardship. I'm saying to all of us here today, God knows us. He says in Jeremiah chapter 145, he says, I knew you even before you were conceived in your mother's womb. He knows you. In Psalms 139 in verse 3, he says, I know when you are sitting down. He says, I even know you when you are rising up. He knows everything about us. In Psalms 139 in verse 1, he says, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. This is what God says in the word. I know everything about you. It says, in me you live and move and you have your entire being. According to Acts chapter 17, he, he lives inside of us. He moves with us. And so in spite of your struggle, in spite of whatever you're going through, today I can truly say that my mother was a great patriot in spite of everything I went through because she became an example not only to me, but to the whole world. My brother Bishop Tudor is one of the most, is, is the top three most powerful evangelists and speakers in the world according to the internet. You go type out and you'll see on the internet. It's because my mother had vision for her 10 children. Every single one of her 10 children are serving God and their children and their children are serving God. I stand here and I say to you today, I'm mourning. Very hard for me to speak about my mother this morning. But I thank God. I thank God that I can stand here and I can record this word to somebody that says, I don't think I'll amount to anything. You don't have to have all the bells and whistles. You don't have to have the money. But all you need is the power of a vision. And your vision will, it will take you to that place. We are living testimonies of what God wants of us. On closing, your spiritual grandparents, Papa Bismarck and Granny Bismarck, were tremendously blessed. My mother left her home in Zimbabwe to come and start up this church. It was one of the last churches. In fact, it was the last church 
that they opened up. My mother and father were evangelists. They went to every city and they opened up churches. The church that we are in right now was the 47th church, or I think it was somewhere around there, but that's how many churches they opened up around the world. And so we are privileged because the last shall be first. I'm speaking a prophetic word over Kingdom Vision Ministries. We're going to see great healing, signs, wonders. We're going to see inventions, ideas kicking in. We're going to see millionaires and billionaires in KVM Ministries, Kingdom Vision Ministries. And you are a part of it. And so I speak it over your life today. And I say to you, come on, let's push, let's press. 2020 perfect vision. We never thought we'd be in a state like this year where we are all locked up and closed up. But God knows the plans and he knows our future. And everything that we've been through this year is to build us up for the next decade. We're going to end of 2020 in a bang. We're going to end of 2020 with the blessing and the favor of God. Oh yes, because sorrow always brings joy. And this year we've lost we may have lost in the, in the natural, but in the supernatural, we have gained. And so I close in saying this to you, that my mother left a legacy behind, not for me, her children, but for you and I, because we are a part of this great big family. And so I pray blessings over your home. I pray that this short little testimony of my mother. There's so much more to speak about her. But just in the abridged version, I say and I ask you, everybody, please, come on, step into your assignment. Step into the kingdom of God. Step in and, and find your calling. Let your gift make room for you because that's where your blessing is. I love you and I pray for you. Please pray for my family during this time. I couldn't go to the funeral because of this COVID and uh, places, borders closed. Very hard not to go and say bye-bye to your parent. And so I'm still feeling very, very strong. I want to thank Morel and Prince for coming over to my house and just coming to lift my hands up and just to encourage me. God bless you and your family, Morel and Prince. Even to those that couldn't make it to come and see me, your phone calls and just, just, just your support on messages. Thank you. Thank you so much. May God richly bless you. I love you. End of September, we will be opening according to what the government says on his next speech. But we will be opening for intercessory prayer at the church at the end of the month where we can gather and we can pray together. We will notify you and let you know. But I speak peace over your life. And I lose power. I lose healing. I lose pain in the name of Jesus. I lose victory. I lose wisdom and faith for the things that you are in need of. Or I lose the next level of anointings over you to become empowered by your gifting. I lose money. Oh, for some of you that are lacking, I lose money, tremendous wealth. You don't have a home, I lose property in Jesus' name. I lose it over you. And most of all, this morning, I lose the fire of God. 
that will break the chains of darkness. I, 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 I lose it. I lose it in Jesus' name that when you open up your mouth, everything will be consumed by what you speak over the kingdom of darkness. I love you in Jesus' name. God bless you. On behalf of Pastor Queenie and I, Kamel, Kim, Jaden and Nathan, God bless you. Good afternoon and a hearty, hearty welcome to you. Thank you for joining me, your host, Salome Jacobs, as you and I enter once again into the garden. I don't know about you, but there are times when we are reminded, we are reminded of where we came from and where we are taken to and where we are brought out from and that in itself are lessons learned. We are reminded of beauty all around us. We are reminded of our struggle. We are reminded that at any point of our life that we can overcome any situation if we only but ask for help and look up. And that is what the title is all about, Reminder to Self. Sometimes the Holy Spirit just drops into your bosom that there are things that you cannot do by yourself that he will send in the help and that it's up to us to receive the help and the insert simply says I have been through it over it under it and all around it but no matter what I have been through I am still here with a story and a testimony and that in itself tells me that God has plans for me now isn't that simply just beautiful that in itself is a reminder to you and me today that through it all God has plans, big plans, for you and me. Hello self, have you forgotten how resilient, how strong, how versatile, how industrious, how prayerful, how flexible, how flamboyant, how tenacious, how courageous you are? Have you forgotten how far you've come? Come on now, need I remind you? You made it through stormy weather, winter highs and lows, mountains steep and valleys low, jobs in and jobs out, economic ups and downs, loads from some and admiration from others, sneers from naysayers and appreciation from yesayers. Did you forget who carried you? It was I, the Lord your God, who carried you. 
who strengthened you, who held you with my righteous right hand, who went ahead of you and fought for you. So when I look back, I see the strength of a woman who called on and cried out to the Lion of Judah to fight for her in her wilderness, to strengthen her to speak up to her Pharaoh. That woman today is you. That woman today is me. So no matter who says what, this or that, you here because I kept you. I'm preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies. You and I are still standing today because, like it or not, you here because God said he isn't finished with us yet. He has a purpose to fulfill through you and I. So stand up and wipe your tears, for you are the apple of my eye. So sister, prayer warrior, I am yours and you are mine. Regardless of what happens, Lord, you are my comforter. That's who you are to me. Yes, you are my waymaker, miracle worker, door breaker, door stopper, law intercessor, promise keeper, light in the darkness, purpose driven life force who speaks into your heart and mind. So yes, like me, you have been around the block a few times. The only difference now is we've let go. We've moved on, we're free, we're whole again. I was chosen to be here, destined to be here. Now I'm reminded of a song, Whole Again by Atomic Kitten, a line that stands out. My friends make me smile, if only for a while. You can make me whole again. Now I say yes, my friends do make me smile. If only for a little while, but Jesus makes you and I whole again. Not for a season, but for a lifetime. He can make you whole again. Now I don't know about you, but trust me, for every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. So stretch yourself, soul sister prayer warrior. Guard your loins. Speak life into those dry bones. Release a blessing into those dark, eerie places of your heart. Submit, yes, submit to the purpose one who can change, rearrange, enable, disable, qualify and disqualify the plans, the works of the enemy spoken over your life. Look forward to a promising life beckoning you and I. Let the circle be unbroken. Let poverty be stripped from you and I. Let jealousy flee from you and I. Let pride flee from you and I. Let false accusations flee from you and I. Let false friendships flee from you and I. Let hate flee from you and I. Let disrespect flee from you and I. Let power flay from you and I. Let heartlessness flay from you and I. Let two-facedness and manipulation flay from you and I. For God is a God of order and respect. Let unite as women helping other women. Let show the world that women of Africa are watchful, prayerful, watchmen on the towers of our homes, 
families, communities, businesses, drop the world a postcard saying goodbye old self, hello new self and press on, pressing on. Wake up, get up, dress up, look up, pray up, confess up, change up, release up, ask up, receive up, so God can clean up and show, so you can shine up to be unified and resilient up. And so it is, so shall it be. So thank you once again for allowing me into your space or into your office. For indeed it is a pleasure, a great pleasure to share this with you. Some insight to remind you and me of how sovereign God is. That he is the way, the truth and the life. So be sure to catch me, your host Salome Jacobs, as you and I once again slip away into the garden. So invite a friend or two or three, share, and simply just spread the word as you and I delve into conversations through soul poetry. And once again... Have an awesome day and stay blessed and do take care. Salome Jacobs into the garden. Today is the day that is dedicated. I'm dedicating this to those who have lost loved ones during the pandemic of COVID-19 and especially moms and dads because that seat is empty that void needs to be filled and that void can only be filled when God is at hand So, without any further ado, please feel free and welcome to share the next podcast as you and I listen to a beautiful send-off of the late Shirley Bismarck by her son, Pastor Mark Bismarck. trust that you will be blessed, that you will know that during this time, whoever has been called and laid to rest, that they 
are in a very good place and that God knows why he has called certain people home. So once again, enjoy the segment as it was played on Von Dot Radio, the Voice of the Nations radio station. I trust that you will be blessed and that favour will overtake you today and every other day. So until next time, have an awesome day and do take care. From me, your host, Salome Jacobs.